Amen. Thank you, Pastor DB. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have a name and a place. And that's a big part of my message today. I actually felt as I was praying, um, just in preparation for this morning, last night, God said, I must remind each and every one of you here that you have a name and you also have a place. Hallelujah. This morning, I love worship. Thank you. And we started to just magnify Jesus. Magnify Jesus because it's all about him. And my message this morning, you'll see it there. It's about the whole Christ. Revelation of the whole Christ. Through the whole body. To the whole world. You know, after the Lord started speaking to me about this message as I was studying the life of Jesus, just uh, the first three months of the year, I just said, you know, God, after I preach this message, maybe I can go home. <laughs> because between loving you and being witnesses for you, you know, like I don't know what else there is to preach. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We recognize this morning that all is for your glory. All is for your name. We thank you that we can just partake this morning. And just share in relationship with you. And share in partnership with you. I just pray God that this morning every heart would receive and take heed to the invitation. To not only become yours. But to be your hands and feet on the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sure. I asked myself, where do I start with a message like this? And I realized quite quickly in my conversations with my husband. Hello, Leafy. Where are you? He's amazing. Oh, he's in the mom's room. <laughs> Oh, no, he's amazing. Um, we often have conversations, and my husband's a student of revival. He, he just loves just seeing God move and seeing hearts change and lives change as a result of that. And oftentimes, he would talk to me about why certain revivals started and why certain revivals ended and all these things. And the one time we were having a conversation and we started talking about the imbalance challenge. I'll unpack that a little bit, but the imbalance challenge. 
where oftentimes God starts to move a certain way, then our eyes are locked into that which is amazing. But all of a sudden that becomes the be it and the end all. And oftentimes you would see what follows after that high is a low. Because oftentimes when we focus and give undue focus to that thing, then disunity comes. Because no, no, what are you doing? Why, why are you guys doing that? that? That's too much, you know, like, no, what about that? And we see the cycle over and over again in many moves of God. Now it's, it's the power move. Now it's the this move and the that move. But it's been a challenge for the church to capture the whole Christ in the way we reveal him to the world. And I know oftentimes the church has ceased to be effective because of this lopsidedness. I love this, this one person that said once upon a time, I don't know who it is, but he said, you know what, the day where the word and the spirit marry is the day we will see lasting revival. I said, yes and amen. But for too long, both the church and the world has seen spirituality, for example, as becoming a pastor. If I'm spiritual, now I need to be a pastor or I need to be a preacher or you know what, I need to be a prophet. You know, otherwise I, I'm just a spectator. For too long, we have undervalued other contributions that the body of the Christ is in need of because the hand of the Lord is only on the pastor and the preacher and the evangelist. And my assignment this morning is clear, it's specific, it's simple. There's a part for you in his story. There's a part for you in the mission of God. And he's inviting us to partner with him to see his kingdom come. Because if we're honest with ourselves, too many of us actually believe, you know what, I, I'm not a part of this story, really. <laughs> I mean, if I come to church and I go to small group, I mean, wow, you know, that, that, that's the best I can really do because the rest is for the five-fold. <laughs> Or the rest is for the radicals. Let alone when we start to speak about things like revival. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now that chapter of the story. Now, uh-uh. <laughs> that, that is only for the radicals and the gifted and the... If I have to really be honest with myself, do I really feel like I'm a part of his story? When I wake up in the morning and I do my job and I obediently follow him 
as he says, do this, do that, as I serve my family, do I actually really believe that I'm a part of his story? The story and the purpose of redemption, his redemptive work on the earth, and even things like revival is not to make more pastors and more preachers. That's all good. <laughs> but it's to make hungry and passionate and laid down lovers of God who will go into all spheres of influence. It's both a privilege and a responsibility to know God. To be a son and a daughter, it's a privilege and a responsibility. And as I was worshiping again, I said, God, may we hear your heart. May we hear your heart. His heart this morning is not to say you're not doing enough. His heart is to say, He's excited about you. He's excited about your contribution. He's excited about what you have to bring. He delights in seeing you full of joy because you're partnering with him. That's what he wants for you. So I'm not here to fuel the fan of performance, we know that dries very quickly, <laughs> that fire. <laughs> and the purpose is not to say, now let's go around doing, you know, running around like headless chickens. It's to say, God, whatever you do, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. I'm humble, I'm positioned, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to say yes. You know, there's a place in walking with Jesus where you, you, where you lose your ability to say no to him. A place where you're so in love. Guys, have you been in love? Yes. <laughs> That's how I got married. Yes. <laughs> a place where you're so in love with someone, you lose the ability to say no. You give Jesus your choice. I choose to choose whatever you want. It's, it's that posture of being ready to obey. God, I don't even know what you ask of me, but I'm ready to obey. So we undervalue other parts and we overvalue and overemphasize other parts. And we become lopsided. And we fail to present the whole Christ. These imbalances create a sense of disunity, but they also make us very ineffective. And it's not just about the church. It's, about, it's not just about the body. It's about this body. I made a decision a long time ago to contend for the fullness of God in my life. And my desire is that each and every one of us would continuously run after the fullness of God 
in our lives so that we would become everything that he has called us to do, to be, and do everything he has called us to do. The fullness. You know, I say, God, if I have to read this message, <laughs> I want to I say it the way you said it to me. <laughs> I was like, God, I don't care if I get here and I read. Because what matters is what God does in your heart. The imbalances that create disunity and create ineffectiveness in the body of Christ. And I believe God wants to bring a bit of correction to that as a, as a church and even in our own lives. That it won't just be, you know, that's for DB, you know, or... No, what? That's for Ronald. But you see yourself when God says, "This is the truth of who I am." When you lay hands on the sick and they will recover, you like, yes, I see myself. The word says that, so I'll be it. Last night, even I was, I was praying. God said to me, "Seek or the day you embody." my truths and my presence, you guys will be signs and wonders on the earth. The day where you embody the truth of God's love, of the fact that he heals, of the fact that he, he is a deliverer, and this is captured in your spirit, and you're able to, as you walk in your daily life, release that into the lives of others. My God. We can see these ones have been with Jesus. The first three months of this year, as I said, I was studying the, the life of Jesus. And as I was studying the Gospels, again, it jumped out at me like, wow, Jesus is so multidimensional. Next thing, Jesus is busy preaching to the crowds. He's now an evangelist. Then he's preaching and teaching and talking to a person one-on-one. -on -one. I'm like, he's like the walking, talking, five-fold ministry. Like, come on. Next thing, Jesus is busy preaching in the streets. Then he's teaching in the synagogues. Then he's feasting in someone's home. Can you see what I'm saying? He's not, oh, no, I just belong in the pulpit. That's, that's my strength. That's what I want to do. That's where I'll stay. He goes into the streets. He goes into people's homes. We see Jesus forgiving sins, healing people, delivering people. But Jesus is the very same person who's interceding. No, no, I'm just, I'm just a preacher. No. He makes it his business to intercede. Peter, I interceded for you that your faith would not fail. We see Jesus doing so many different things. And you're thinking, wow, he is so multidimensional. This is the person we call the lion and the lamb. 
This is why, as DB said this morning, we preach not just the life of Jesus, but we preach the death of Jesus. We preach his resurrection and his ascension. Because lest we leave one of these parts out, something is lopsided. The whole Christ. The gospel has 66 books. The Bible has 66 books. All these books are coordinated to form a picture of a whole Christ. Of a full gospel. Jesus was perfect. That's what even D.B. shared this morning. Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. He was the exact image of the invisible God. He was whole. Undamaged, like perfect. The Bible often also speaks of the word perfect and Lacking, lacking nothing, incomplete. And as I was reading, God said, Siko, we need the whole Christ. You need the whole Christ for yourself. You need a revelation of Christ in his fullness, which is why we can never stop seeking him. But we also need to reveal the whole Christ through the body to the whole world. That's why oftentimes people would get saved, but then they don't stay in church. Because why? Could be anything. Say, come. Jesus wants to you know, save you, and they get here, they get saved, and then what? Then they go to Bible school. Then after Bible school, they do another Bible school. Why? Something's missing. Often that thing could be witnessing. Often that thing could be community. Often that thing, it could be anything. But if we as a body took it upon ourselves, to represent Christ as accurately as we can together. The whole world would find what they're looking for in Jesus. So it is the same with the body of Christ. A body with different functions called to represent and coordinated to represent the whole Christ. One Corinthians twelve, verse twelve. I'll read a little bit about this: the unity and diversity in the body. I won't read a little bit. I'm going to read a lot of it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form 
one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not a preacher, I am not an evangelist, I am not an intercessor, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed parts in the body, every one of them, just as he can someone just repeat this phrase for me? Just as he wanted them to be. Too many of us out of alignment. Businessmen wanting to be pastors, pastors wanting to be consultants, this wanting to be that. God wants us to be effective. And we are most effective in our area of assignment. And these things change. And remember last week we were talking about both and. We also don't always have to wear one hat. But our obedience is what matters. And this is what God is talking about here. Wherever he places you. So put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me. And I'll serve anywhere. I just want to see your beauty. If they all were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor and the parts that are in unrepresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. The upside down kingdom so that there should be no division in the body. But all the parts should have equal concerns for each other because if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. I remember the Lord saying to me, it's very interesting. Initially, I, I was like, so, like I was, I grew up having this very strong orientation to 
the body of Christ. And I always wanted to, God, I'll just work for the church and this and that. And God needed to take me to the workplace and actually show me, <laughs> guys, it's, it's, it's bigger than just working for the church and doing this for the church and doing that for the church. And that's beautiful. That's amazing. That's what we do. But I remember God saying, Seiko, the body is incomplete if the lost aren't being saved. And I started to have a revelation and a desire and a burden for the lost because for me, I saw the church in a sense in, in its very incomplete way because it's, it's the people that are there. But we are being a lopsided church if the people that are meant to be in the church are not in the church. And that just stirred my desire for evangelism and to reach out because I'm like, this is the full picture of the body. Not just what I can see with my eyes. So if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you a part of it. And again, not headless chickens. I'm just saying, are you willing to be like Paul? Be all things to all men. And that means, could be one at a time. <laughs> Today, I need to be focusing on my relationships. I'm a very seasonal person as well. I remember Ronnie asking me that one time. Siko, you live out your season so well. How do you do it one at a time? If I'm single, I am single. <laughs> if I'm married, then I delight in that and I do that. But I am whatever God calls me to be in that season. If it's everything, then it's everything. Because there's grace for that season. Whew. Living worthy of the calling. Living worthy of the calling. His anointing. Remember what we said last week, his presence and his power. It usually finds us in that place of obedience. And then when everyone is doing their part, helping, doing other parts where there's need because you are becoming all things, There's no disunity, just effectiveness. The kingdom of God is coming. People are finding Jesus in the workplace. People are finding Jesus in your homes at a bride. People are finding Jesus because you, as the body, are there representing him. 
the whole Christ revealed through the whole body to the whole world. In the Bible, I see people with different graces. Daniel technically was in government, <laughs> right? I love also Naomi and, uh, and, and Ruth, even Mary. They were actually, their geography, the geography of their witness was actually the home. Joseph, leadership, economist. Can you see what I'm saying? My favorite one, Anna, the prophetess. Where did you find her? In the temple. They say she never left. The anointing itself <laughs> found her there. <laughs> She didn't even have to go anywhere. But remember when they said, you know what, the Messiah, literally everything came to where she was. My God. There's also this guy, Joseph of Arimathea. You know him, the guy, the rich guy that paid for Jesus' tomb. I'm like, God, bring us the kingdom financiers. The business people. Because all of that was that the scripture would be fulfilled. It was prophesied that Jesus would be found in a tomb. Bring us the financiers, Jesus. That it won't be an issue to go to Peru, to Belgium, to my goodness, to the whole world. Like any university course, you know most of these generic courses. This 101, well, you, you have to do everyone that's doing engineering, even though you're going to go into, a, I don't know, I was going to say megatronics, maybe there's something like that. But whichever stream you will eventually fall into, there's that one class you guys will meet at. That's intercession 101. <laughs> that's worship 101. That's healing 101. That's deliverance 101. That's preaching the gospel 101. We are all in that class. Whether you are a businessman or a fireman or a teacher, we are all in the same class. When the preacher is praying, the, businesses is, the businessman is praying. When the evangelist is preaching, the teacher is preaching to her students. We are in the same class. But then God, in his wisdom, he says, you know what? I need you to be a geography specialist person. Study your PhD. Can you see now the separation? But we are all in the same 101 generic classes. Then God calls us into the specific. That we may not be lopsided as a believer. 
that when the pastor is preaching, uh, is, is casting out devils and healing the sick, the doctor is doing the same. Before you are an economist, before you are a doctor, a teacher, a psychologist, a businessman, you are a witness. Which is why you need the anointing. Which is why you have the anointing, the anointed one, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The anointing is necessary for the lawyer just as it's necessary for the evangelist. That grace that comes when you're doing your line of work and you're like, hey, you're writing this report, but you can feel the grace as you write that audit report. <laughs> Where you're seeing a patient and you're like, what wisdom is this? Just coming in, like, I, like just a moment ago, I was asking God, how am I going to deal with this situation? But the wisdom of God, his anointing, he empowers you to do what he's called you to do. When you're doing your budgeting and your reporting and your audits and this and that, feeling the anointing of God as you do those things. Then someone tells me, yeah, Siko, but you know what? I'm just doing this as a nine to five, you know? It's not really my area of call. And I say, I'm glad you know. <laughs> because your vocation is not necessarily always tied to your area of call. But what would your work look like if you saw it as worship? God, I know that you've called me to preach, but in this season you've placed me in the workplace. Let it be worship unto you. Let me do all things as worship unto you. And you get on with it. Joel 2, 28. Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and younger men will see visions. The spirit of the Lord is on all flesh. This is the dispensation we are living in. These are the days these guys dreamed about. So we need spirit-filled businessmen. We need God-fearing, spirit-filled teachers, administrators, politicians. There's a place for each and every one of us. 
as I conclude, maybe someone can also come up to play. Thank you. I really believe that God's desire for us is that he would empower us supernaturally for the area of service that he's called us to. And I actually believe that we are entering even seasons in our lives and in our workplaces where we will have results to show for our faith. In fear of being performance-driven, of being that, we, we, we've made it okay to not have results in our faith life. It's okay that I can go into my workplace back and forth, back and forth. No one is changing. Nothing is changing. I'm just there. Lest I be labeled too much or lest I be falling or erring towards the side of performance. But the world is looking to see why Jesus Why are you a Christian? And that's why the, the word of God speaks about if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. When the kingdom comes, you see its effects. A season where people can see, you know what, that guy is a scientist, but I know there's something about him. And I want to know more. What is it about what he does and the way he does it that makes him so different? Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a psychologist, when the kingdom of God truly comes upon you, when you allow Christ, the anointed one, to manifest himself inside of you, number one, you will feel that power when it leaves you. You would feel that grace when you're doing your report. You will feel all these different things, but number two, People will see it. Evidence. And I felt God saying, you know what, Seiko? If we are willing to truly, truly give our minds, our emotions, our will, and our bodies... as living sacrifices, as worship. If we allow him to work through this body, because even this whole concept of the body, we, we, we sometimes we're quick to 
exclude ourselves, but God wants to work through your body to heal the sick, to intercede. Remember I said last week, oneness. What you say matters. Where you lay your hands matters. Where your feet walk matters. Your body to touch others. Your body to contribute to the body. So that the whole world can get a revelation of who he is. The anointing, which is Jesus, will flow through your body, to the body, and to the whole world. God's not limited by your career choice. If you walk in obedience... He will use you. He wants laborers. He wants people to partner partner with him in that place of intimacy. Last week, the intimacy of partnership. He wants you to experience him that way. We are all a part of his story. We are all a part of his mission. We are all a part of his plan for redemption. He's given us everything we need. And his very own spirit. That we would be effective. And walk worthy of the call of God in our lives. That we would appreciate and recognize and create room for all the other parts of the body to thrive and flourish. All is for his glory. And as I was studying and studying about the life of Jesus and I heard this song and I said, God, this song is prophesying, whether it's into my life or as all is for his glory. All is for his name. That in all things, he would have the first place. He would have preeminence. That he would have the liberty to put us anywhere. That he would have the liberty to call us to serve anywhere. As long as we get to experience his beauty and delight in him. And reveal him to the world. And it says, catch me up in your story. All my life for your glory. Catch me up. In your story, all my life, for your glory, every part of it, every part of it, not just my Sunday, 
not just my small group evening, every part of it. Have my Monday, have my Tuesday, have my Wednesday, my Thursday, my Friday too. I know, Fridays. <laughs> oh, you know, then he says, I know you only but just, ah, come on. Have my Friday too, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't even know where to end off, so I'll pass on to Pastor DB. <laughs> and he can do whatever needs to be done. Thank you, Siko. We still have Saturdays left. <laughs> that too. And Saturdays. Um, going to just spend a few minutes responding and in worship. So um, just sense that um, there's quite a few of us who just really, as Seagull's sharing, just really have a great desire to see God moving freely through, through us in our, in our eight to fives. Just such a desire to see, as she said also, to see results, to see life, life's change around us. And for us to sense His presence while we're creating our models, writing reports, having meetings, doing designs. We just have such a desire for that. And in some cases we've seen some of it, in others there's a bit of a dryness in that. But I want to pray over you right now. If, if you've got such a desire just to see God move in wonderful ways in whatever work you're busy with, would you stand? If that desire burns in your heart, would you, you just stand, just open up your hands in a, in a posture of receiving? Lord, I thank you 